the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. you kick a Sunday night off or a morning or afternoon or whenever you're listening uh, to this particular program. What's going on, everybody? It's another Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. We've got a great show for you tonight. A couple of craft beer guests that are going to be joined. Three of them, actually. Very rare that we do three guests in the same interview uh, on this program. But uh, you can follow me all over the place. I'm on Twitter at Alcatulo, Instagram at Catulo. I'm also on this new thing that the kids are doing called Threads. Follow me there, at Gattulo. Uh, Facebook.com slash AGCraftBeerCast. Email at albergeatnycradio.com. iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, AGCraftBeerCast. We're all over the place. Hopped Up Network, Odyssey.com, Alexa, iHeart. You name it, we're there. You can check out the program whenever you want. Download it and listen to it at your leisure. Now, coming up in 20 minutes, Talea co-founders Leanne Darling and Tara Hankinson as well as Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head, are going to join me on the program. They have a new collab out. It's version number two. Um, I am excited to chat with one of the OGs of craft beer. We've had him on the program many times before. We had his wife on just recently to talk about the new Loggerwood Asteroid City, the movie, which is doing very well in the box office, by the way. Great movie. Go check it out. If you're a Wes Anderson fan, you are going to love it. Uh, and two women uh, that are uh, killing it in Brooklyn uh, with their beers. I've not been to their place yet, and I'm going to make it a point this summer to get over there uh, because it is definitely something uh, that I want to check out. They make some really, really delicious uh, beers. Now, uh, first up, obviously, we started off with uh, Judas Priest and uh, Redeemer of Souls, the title track from that album. came out uh, this week in uh, 2014. That's the last time that Priest has put out an album, I believe, because Painkiller was before that. Or was it... I, I, you know, I never remember. I'm pretty sure it was Painkiller and then Redeemer of Souls, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I know they have another album in the can, ready to go. Uh, they're supposed to have something coming out very soon, so I can't wait. I am uh, jacked because if they come back around on tour again next year, uh, there is no doubt that I will be there. All right, let us dive into what I feel is going to be an important story moving forward. We talked about it last week with Scott Wells, the New Jersey Beer Bill. So... Where do we stand? As of right now, the governor is not signing the bill. He is uh, going to, he has signaled a conditional veto 
Uh, he is sending it back to the lawmakers to make changes. He wants more comprehensive liquor license reform. He doesn't like the bill the way it is. Now, remember, a bill that passed unanimously in both the Assembly and the Senate, there really shouldn't be any excuse for him to sign it, but he is giving excuses, and it's not cool. And so rather than you you hearing my, my opinion, which, look, I, bottom line is this. This is hurting small business. It is affecting a segment of society that contributes a, a, a segment of business in the state of New Jersey that uh, contributes a billion dollars, one billion with a B, to the New Jersey state tax coffers. They're going to have an economic downturn at some point in New Jersey. The federal money is running out from the uh, stimulus and all this other nonsense from uh, the pandemic. So they need revenue. Breweries are closing in New Jersey. Breweries are being adversely affected. Restaurants are doing okay. They're not doing great. Some of them are failing. Some of them are doing fantastic. A lot of them are doing just okay. But this is one part of a three-part phase. The governor doesn't seem to understand that. So Scott Wells, who was on this very program last week, uh, when it was signaled that the governor would be issuing a conditional veto to send back to the lawmakers to change things, said this on Facebook. This is his quote. The clock is ticking, and without this bill becoming law, a strong message is being sent to everyone who has been planning on building a brewery here. Don't. Without concrete laws in place and only a six-month reprieve from being the third worst state for artisanal beverage manufacturers, the governor is sending a message loud and clear to anyone thinking about investing in New Jersey. Worse, those who have already invested in this state from a brewery standpoint must continue to run their businesses rudderlessly without the ability to plan for tomorrow. The governor's office will now sell this as a small setback for a larger win, but that reality will not be felt by the breweries, other manufacturers, or consumers in this state. Instead, Governor Murphy is turning the clocks back to a different time, a time when New Jersey was synonymous with gambling. He's gambling the future of our existing businesses on major reform that may never happen, and he's playing with house money. In this case, it's not fun being the poker chip. We don't deserve this. New Jersey doesn't deserve this. He's 100% right. He is gambling that things will change when the legislators come back into session for six weeks. Oh, you say no. End of the summer, Al. Uh, you know, they'll be back September, October before the November election. Uh-uh, au contraire. No, they won't. And here's why. And Alexis Deegan, who used to work in government and has been a guest on this show, posted a great explanation for all this. I tried to explain it, but she sort of summed it up in, in such perfect words that I have to repeat hers. So here it is. In normal times, if the governor fails to act on a bill in 45 days, it becomes law. If the House, the bill was passed and last is on official break, both houses are, the 45-day clock stops. It restarts when they come back. If the governor fails to act on a bill in a lame duck, it becomes pocket vetoed. Lame duck is the last two weeks of the last year of the two-year session. The current session ends this year, a.k.a. we're staring down the barrel of lame duck. Pocket veto is the same as a regular veto, except that because of the calendar, the legislature doesn't have a chance to override. It dies. It has to go through the entire process all over again next next session. Now, some side info from Alexis. Plenty of bills that have been passed unanimously have died on the altar of the pocket veto. Plenty of those bills are still not law many, many, many years later. And every day the governor doesn't sign this bill... Breweries are under the boot of strangling regulations imposed by a regulatory body that are now counter to what the governing body has said should be. Every day the governor doesn't sign this bill is a bad thing for small businesses in New Jersey. 
Alexis, fantastically put. Thank you for that. So, again, it's not the same as, well, if he doesn't, if he doesn't act on it in a month and a half, it, it becomes law. It does not. It stays. The, the legislature is not planning on coming back until after the November elections, which gives the state roughly six weeks to pass it. But if he pocket vetoes it, they're never going to be able to go back in to override the veto. They won't have the votes. Not everybody shows up after the election. If people have lost, okay, if there are changes, they're not coming back. There's no reason for them to. Why should I? I lost. Let the next guy do it in January or woman. So you understand the urgency of this. Governor, I implore you. I understand what changes you want to make, but it can't be done right now. That bill that was going to come out couldn't even get out of committee. People forget there was one legislator, and I forget his name off the top of my head right now. He was setting up a major bill that would have had sweeping changes to everything for the from the breweries, liquor licenses, the whole thing. It died in committee. They said there's no way this thing is going to come out of committee. Too much, too soon. Can't happen. So they broke the bill up. Let's pass the brewery stuff first. We know we can pass that. We know the breweries are having an issue. We can pass that and get that on the governor's desk. Step one, and then we'll move on to step two and three. Again, election year. There's no guarantee the same people that are in office right now are going to be the same people back in office in January. You have no idea if these people are going to go, yeah, let's keep this bill. Let's let's just redo the bill. We'll all vote on it again. We'll go through 18 committees, and then boom. There's no guarantee of any of that. So it's important the governor signs this bill. He's not going to. Why? Because he wants more. Well, you're not going to get it. And guess what? You lied, Governor. You lied. You signaled through all of your intermediaries that if the bill came across your desk, you'd sign it. By the way, you lied, Governor. Two years ago when you asked the breweries to to get people to get their vaccinations a shot and a beer, you didn't even know your own rules that you couldn't do that. They had to give a special dispensation for that. Okay? What nonsense. You're lying to these people. You've lied over and over again. Why should any brewery in the state of New Jersey bend over backwards for you? They shouldn't. Not any one of them. Every one of them should go to war with you. If it were me, I wouldn't follow any of the ABC's regulations. Come and shut me down. Come and shut me down, and I'll sue. Chuck Garrity's got a strong case from Death of the Fox Brewing, folks. He absolutely does. Absolutely does. And if he wins, that's a big problem for the governor. He looks like a moron here. Honestly, I'm so incensed by this. Small business, the lifeblood of America. This guy is putting a stranglehold on these people. He's a lame duck. He can't be reelected. He's got to go off somewhere else. He's trying to beat his chest on something. He can't win. I'm all for liquor license reform. Absolutely. And if it could be done, get it done. It can't. It can't. Not right now. Down the road, yes. Not right now. Pass this bill. Sign it. Not pass it. It's already passed. Sign it. He should sign it. He's a fool if he doesn't. When we come back after a short break, I will calm down and we'll have some more beer news from around the beer world. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer.
Yeah, you know, I tell people all the time, and welcome back to the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. You want to get pumped up, you want to get, you want to be awake again, you want to just shock the system. Heavy Metal does it every single time. Sure, there are ballads in Heavy Metal. Sword of Damocles from Judas Priest's Redeemer of Souls album, which came out uh, this past week in the year 2014. It was in the U.S. early, like July 9th, and then the U.K. on the 14th, so... Um, Great stuff. The last studio album from them. Uh, they are planning on a new one, and they are also going to be a part of this mega um, tour in California that Ozzy Osbourne was supposed to headline, but now uh, because of his injuries uh, to his back and stuff, he can't perform. So Judas Priest is replacing him as the band. That's the Saturday night show, ACDC and Judas Priest. I forgot the name of it. Tickets are outrageous. The hotels are already sold out out there. There's little chance of me getting out there. Uh, in the beginning of October. It's a three-day festival that's supposed to be unbelievable. Coming up in 10 minutes, Talia co-founders Leanne Darling, Tara Hankinson, as well as Sam Caligione from Dogfish Head will join me on the program. Uh, They have a new collab that is out right now. It's version number two. I'm excited to chat with one of the OGs of craft beer and two women who are just killing it in Brooklyn with so many delicious beers. That's coming up just about 10 minutes from now. Here's the big news in beer. Anchor Brewing Company officials announced this past Wednesday that it will cease operations and liquidate the business, which has been was established back in 1896. That's 127 years, folks. Citing economic factors, including declining sales since 2016, the company gave employees 60-day notices with the intent to provide uh, transition support and separation packages in line with company practices and policies. That, according to an announcement from the comp- one of the company's spokespeople, um, it was an extremely difficult decision. They're saying that Anchor reached only after many months of careful evaluation. We recognize the importance and historic significance of Anchor to San Francisco and to the craft brewing industry, but the impacts of the pandemic inflation, especially in San Francisco in a highly competitive market, left the company with no option but to make the sad decision to cease operations. They had recently announced Anchor it would limit sales of Anchor beers to California only and would cut production of its Anchor Christmas Ale. Uh, The announcement uh, reports that Anchor has stopped brewing. It will continue packaging and distributing their remaining beer on hand while available uh, or through around the end of July. Anchor Public Taps will remain open temporarily, selling remaining inventory, including a small volume of the 2023 version of the Anchor Christmas sale, which was brewed prior to the company's recent decision to cancel the nationwide release. They are uh, currently negotiating uh, for bankruptcy filing under Federal Chapter 7 or 11, but from what I'm hearing from Dave Infante, who writes for Vine Pair, many of the employees were not notified until hearing about the press release early Wednesday morning. The union, they had just gotten a, 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 a new agreement with the union. Those people will be protected and paid. The others that are non-union probably won't. A couple of things here. Sapporo acquired Anchor uh, a number of years ago. They've had declining sales since they've acquired them. I think the initial push for Sapporo was to for for um, acquiring Anchor was for Anchor to make Sapporo's beer in America and distribute it. That's part of the reason why they bought Stone last year uh, to brew Sapporo beer in both their San Diego and Virginia facilities. Um, when it wasn't happening with Anchor Steam, I think that's the impetus that Sapporo went and bought Stone. And at that point, I said, "Why would you keep Anchor Steam?" Now, my th- now again, I don't know this for a fact. And but I've heard rumors that they were looking Sapporo for somebody to buy Anchor Steam, uh, and then Dave Infante's reporting saying that 
Russian River, a number of others were looking into buying the, the, the brewery, Anchor Steam, and keeping it afloat. But I'm guessing that Sapporo probably was, was asking for way too much money. Look, Augie Carton raised a question on Facebook uh, a couple days ago after the announcement saying, when was the last time you had an Anchor Steam? Not the Christmas sale, but an actual Anchor Steam beer. They did new packaging, all kinds of other stuff, still the same beer. A lot of responses in that post, years. I mean, I, 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 it, been, probably when I was out in San Francisco, I had an Anchor Steam when I was out there in 2015. That's probably the last time that I had one. So the beer wasn't relevant anymore. People weren't asking for it. And if you're only brewing one type of beer and you're not brewing hazy IPAs, New England IPAs, even a West Coast IPA, you're going to be behind the eight ball. That's the problem. Breweries and businesses in general that survive adapt to change, pivot, do something else, you know, to to survive in their business. The ones during the pandemic that pivoted to to go sales, takeout, things of that nature, survived. Loyalty only gets you so far in a brand, in any brand. doesn't matter what business you're in. If you don't shift with the times, if you don't start making what people like, you're going to be out of business. Why do you think Sam Adams and Dogfish Head merged? Very simple. Now, there are a number of reasons. But Jim Cook said Sam Adams missed the boat on IPAs, thought they were going to be a fad and fade away. They didn't. By the time they started to do their own, they were way behind the eight ball. Dogfish had its own problems, but again, they came together. Probably the best merger in the beer business so far because both recognize they do good. Th- they do certain beers very well. They're not competing against one another. It works. In this instance with Anchor, I think Sapporo bit off more than they could chew. They bought at a time when breweries were trying to sell for billions of dollars, millions of dollars, and they didn't realize that they just weren't get you know getting what they had paid for. Now, Dave Infante wrote this on Twitter, and I think he's right. If you work for Stone Brewing and you're not union and the whole place is non-union, I would watch out. Uh, again, I could very easily see Sapporo just deciding we're going to cut jobs and give no warning. The fact that people found out the morning of the press release, they were told they were going to have a noon meeting. Uh, Pacific time, right, or 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon noon in the east, and then to find out hours earlier from a press release, nah, we're shutting the business down. That's horrible. Absolutely horrible. All right, moving on. Rick's Near Beer has launched Rick's Crispy Hop Water. This is awesome. Uh, you know, listen, uh, Josh Hare, uh, we had him on the program. I loved his Pilsner, uh, probably one of the better non-alcoholic Pilsners I've had. Uh, now he's got this uh, hop water. There's an IPA. You can go to drinkricks.com to pick it up. The hop water is 8 bucks for a six-pack. Rick's Hazy is 12 Rick's Original is $10 online. They ship it anywhere in the country. Pretty cool. Drinkricks.com. Now, here's something. Oh, Armed Forces Brewing. Uh, listen to this one. Uh, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin rolled out the red carpet uh, to welcome in Armed Forces Brewing. Uh, they are building their brewery. Uh, in Virginia, uh, CEO Alan Beal said, we are excited to open our flagship brewery and tap room in Norfolk, a great American city with a large population of veterans, active duty military, and their families. Virginia is one of the best states to open a brewing business in. New Jersey, are you listening? Are you listening, Governor Murphy? Sign the bill. Sign the bill. Virginia, one of the best states to open a brewing business in. Why? Because they take care of their businesses. 
They do things to help their businesses, not stifle them like what Governor Murphy is doing. Um, it, it is now going to be their home base. The headquarters and brewery expected to employ around 50 people, according to a statement from the governor's office. Uh, the Armed Forces Brewing Company is jointly owned by some 7,800 investors who chipped in as little as $200 per share. Kudos to Armed Forces Brewing opening up in a state like Virginia. Black-owned Funky Town Brewery has been named the winner of the 12th Annual Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream Brewing and Business Experience Ship. Uh, unparalleled access, this is what they get, unparalleled access to brewing and business resources from experts, including Boston Beer founder Jim Cook. An invite to the Samuel Adams Boston Brewery to collaborate on a specialty beer, which will be served at their respective tap rooms in Boston and Chicago. Tickets to the Brewers Association Great American Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado. That is pretty cool. Kudos to Funky Town Brewery in Chicago. Jim Cook does a great job of giving back to the brewing community. Henderson Brewing, they brew lots of beers. They also brew beers for Rush. They're hosting their first ever Rush Day. It takes place Saturday, August 26th uh, up in Canada. Entry is free for everyone. However, those who secure their free ticket online gets a door prize. Rush Day ticket holders will also have exclusive access to purchase a limited edition Rush Day Growler available for pickup on Rush Day. Limited quantities are available. Uh, go to hendersonbrewing.com. There's a link there. You can click on it to per- for more information and to purchase tickets to that event. Very, very cool uh, from Henderson Brewing. And then finally, before we wrap it up, here's one thing you shouldn't do with beer. Don't use beer as sunscreen. Apparently, there's a new thing the kids are doing called beer tanning. They pour a bottle of beer on their skin and then soak in a dose of UV and other harmful rays. Kids, you're amazingly stupid. Don't follow these trends. Beer doesn't do anything to help you. In fact, it will damage your skin. It can help. It can keep your skin from breathing, which could cause, uh, which can make you more susceptible to heat stroke and dehydration. And oh, by the way, it leaves your skin unprotected from the sun's harmful rays. You're a moron. Sunscreen, at least an SPF of 30 or higher. Put it on. Drink the beer. Don't be pouring it all over you to use it as suntan lotion. You're a moron if you do. Coming up next. Talea co-founders Leanne Darling and Tara Hankinson uh, and Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head Brewing are going to join me on this very program. This program happens to be the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Bring it on. That's from Judas Priest's Redeemer of Souls. We've been playing that throughout the show uh, this evening as it is the, I can't believe it, nine-year anniversary of that album from Judas Priest. they got another one in the chamber coming out uh, very soon, and they will be touring, uh, from what I'm hearing, next year, although they're doing that big California event uh, in October that Ozzy Osbourne was supposed to headline uh, but because of his uh, back problems and stuff, can't do it. So Judas Priest is going to be paired up with ACDC on the Saturday night for that one. Uh, my next guests, two women who are making fantastic beer in the great borough of Brooklyn. The other guest, one of the founders of a brewery located in Delaware that's been serving IPAs of the 60, 90, and 120-minute variety, along with a lot of other great stuff for over 25 years. They have a new collab out. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But for more info on Talea, head over to taleabeer.com. And for that brewery in Delaware, 
dogfish.com. Let me welcome to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer, Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head, and Leanne Darling and Tara Hankinson from Talea. Sam, Leanne, Tara, how are all of you today? We're great. Thank you for having us. Sam, how are you? Excited, excited to be here. Uh, the three of us agree with you that heavy metal music rules with an iron fist. <laughs> Absolutely. It's great workout music. It's great therapy music. It's all kinds of good things. But a Bode de Goza, it's the second version of this beer that first was released uh, last year. Dogfish's version, ripe cherries, exotic guava, pink peppercorn. Sam, I'm going to start with you. What made a Goza the proper beer to do a collaboration with Talea? Well, as I'm sure... Uh, you know, Lee and Tara will talk about both our breweries have a huge affinity for fruited sours, particularly those that have complexity, but awesome, like sessionability, lower, lower ABV, but have all like the food compatibility and nuances of, you know, the world's finest white wine. Mm-hmm. So both our breweries have a long history of making these fruited sours. We're proud that Dogfish is the best selling uh, sour beer in America, our, our sequench ale. And I know at Talea, their best-selling flight is all the cool different fruited sours they have. So when we were like, let's get together and do something fun, we felt that this style would be the perfect uh, jumping-off point. And, and Leon, your version, slightly different uh, from Dogfish's that will be released very soon. You swapped out the guava from mango. Why, the, why not make the exact same beer? Why, or why put mango in the mix instead of the guava? Well, Leading up to the creation of these beers, we went on a little field trip around Brooklyn, visiting a bunch of bodegas and had a full spread of ingredients across one of our tables in the tap room. And we really just, we mixed up a bunch of different combinations and wanted to showcase how similar but different sours can be. Um, And, you know, the mango kind of spoke to us a bit more and the guava to the dogfish team. So, um, but both having the the common ingredient of the pink peppercorn and cherry, uh, uh, yeah, which is based on Sam's original homebrew, um, kind of tied it all together. We're talking with Leanne Darling, Tara Hankinson from Talea Beer, and Sam Calagione, the head founder and brewer of Dogfish Head Beer, Bo de Goza. It's the new collab that's out now from Dogfish Head and just uh, very soon coming out from Talea as well. You can go to taleabeer.com for info on the Brooklyn Brewery. And, of course, for Dogfish Head, it's dogfish.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So the beer obviously inspired by bodegas, which are, of course, all over New York City. But, Tara, there's a reason for that inspiration uh, along with why you ladies believe that sour beer is a good gateway to craft beer? Why is sour beer such a good gateway to craft beer? For us, sour beer is a great entry point because the flavor profile is so similar to cocktails and wine and other drinks that non-beer drinkers are drinking. So our mission as uh, New York City's first and only female-founded brewery is to expand the craft beer market here in New York. Mm. And to us, you know, being two women who love craft beer, obviously targeting female customers is an easy one that we can do authentically. And for us, we've just found that sours are a great way to replicate the flavor profile of really popular drinks like margaritas and rosé. So at our tap room, we have what we call the Talea Challenge, which is if, if someone comes into the tap room and they say, you know, I don't really like beer, we give them one of our fruited sours and people can't believe it's beer. And I think there are just so many people who haven't yet discovered sours or discovered craft beer. So 
for us, it's a really important um, part of our portfolio. And we have we have flights at our tap rooms that we preset. So we have a hazy flight, a house flight with seasonal beers, and a sour flight. And our sour flight is always the best selling flight. So we really um, think sours are not only great for customers, but they're a great way to showcase different brewing techniques, different levels of salinity, different levels of sweetness via lactose, fruit blends, spices. Um, it's a really creative palette for our brewing team to work from. And, and when does, ladies, uh, when does the Talea version of the uh, the collab come out? Is it this week? Is it next week? When is it? Because I know they said it was some sometime in July. Is it within the next week or so? It is. It's this week. It's currently on tap at our Williamsburg tap room, and we will have a Dogfish Talea flight available that's mm. four small pours, um, both bodegos side-by-side, and then the Dogfish Head 60-minute IPA next to one of our West Coast IPAs. And also you can pick up a mixed four-pack um, with two of uh, Sam's bodegosas and two of ours um, just so people can experience everything. Okay, now that's really cool. Now, Sam, the other beer that Dogfish has released this month, Hazy Squall. Uh, it's an IPA that clocks in at around 6.5% ABV. Um, I know that some people will ask, why the Pilsner malt in this one uh, for a hazy? We, we just like how, you know, you, you take the, piss, the sort of crisp Pilsner style and that very uh, light in color, light in body, super high fermentability uh, base malt that is Pilsner. We just like the crispness and, you know, drinkability that it brings to this hazy because, you know, this is not meant to be like a giant triple, triple, you know, huge uh, massive beer. It's right. supposed to be a really sessionable, hazy IPA. Um, so excited for that. I wanted to also, you know, as as Ali and Tara talk about all the cool things they're doing in New York with the two beers. Another thing that I think is really cool about this collaboration is our two breweries don't have the same distributor in Metro New York. You know, they're competing every day on the streets with different portfolios, mm-hmm. and yet both distributor companies were as excited as as our, our two breweries were for this collaboration and they're kind of working in unison to get the four packs of both styles and draft of both styles out to great bodegas and beer bars, you know, in the greater Metro uh, New York area. So that also was, that goal was also what kind of informed our decision to do two complementary recipes instead of two exact same ones with a goal that people We'll go out Pokemon style and catch them all. And that's now that's pretty cool too. Now we're talking because you don't really see that at all with distributors; they're all competing for the same dime, and you don't normally see that happening. We're talking with Leanne Darling and Tara Hankinson from Talea Beer, Sam Calagione, the head founder and brewer of Dogfish Head Beer, Bo de Goza, new collab that's out now from Dogfish Head, and it's out now from Talea as well. Go to taleabeer.com for more information there. For the brewery in Delaware, of course, dogfish.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. We're running out of time here, but I do wanted to get a question from uh, uh, from both of you, or the, all three of you on this. Obviously, uh, earlier this week, Anchor Steam, uh, the original, the OG of craft beer, announced that it was closing up shop, um, liquidating its assets, which is just awful news uh, in the craft beer world. Ladies, I'll, I'll start with you, uh, Leanne, first, and then Tara, and then finally Sam. Uh, Leanne, your thoughts on the closing of such an iconic brand in San Francisco? Yeah, it's really sad to see. I think San Francisco has taken a particularly hard hit um, post-pandemic with a lot of their breweries consolidating or or folding. Um, I lived there for a few years before moving to New York, and that facility was just beautiful. And um, Fritz Maytag was, you know, one of the first pioneers um, in 
American craft beer. So I know I can speak for Tara as well. We, we want as much uh, Christmas ale as possible. Uh, so it's really sad to see. Tara? Yeah, uh, I will echo Leanne's sentiments. I think um, we probably have some challenging years coming up around legacy brands who, you know, everyone loves Anchor Steam, but I don't, I bought their Christmas sale last year, but I think it's one of the brands that um, is on people's mind when you think about the foundation of craft beer in America. But, you know, as a New Yorker, I don't have as many opportunities to buy it. And I think it's just a call for um, all craft breweries to think about how they're going to stay relevant and look into the future and continue appealing to new customers and continue getting people to come to their doors or, you know, rebuy multiple times in a drinking period versus just, you know, once a year with the Christmas sale. So, of course, it's sad, but for us, it just is pushing us to continue innovating and thinking what the future brings for Talea here in New York. You're right. And you have to adapt to the times. If people are making a certain type of beer and it's becoming a success, you can't, you know, stick your head in the sand. You have to, you have to pivot with the times. That's very important. If you don't do that, you're not going to be in business very long. Finally, Sam, your thoughts. I know you've been brewing beer for a very long time. Anchor Steam has been brewing it for far longer than that, but your thoughts on Anchor Steam closing up. Yeah, 30 years ago when, you know, I started writing the Dogfish Business Plan, I was working on an awesome first-gen craft beer bar on the Upper West Side, 111 from Broadway, called Nacho Mama's Burritos, and it had like 20 tats. And as I worked, there was a way of my first few, few weeks, I totally had my, you know, craft beer epiphanies with beers like Anchor Liberty, you know, Sierra, Sierra Celebration, Sam, Sam Adams Lager, Chenet Red. So, you know, as, as Leanne and Tara said, this is a it's sad news. They were one of the OGs. Um, you know, it's, but it, it, it's kind of such a uh, tipping point moment, I think, in the craft beer world. Now that craft beer growth has slowed, there's over 9,000 breweries in America. That's awesome, but the volume's not really growing. So you're quickly seeing this sort of accelerated bifurcation of, you know, basically two major, you know, sustainable models for a craft brewery, and that's kind of being over a 200,000-barrel nationally distributed, you know, brand that is focused on three-tier distribution and, you know, professional sales forces and, you know, buttoned-up marketing plans. Uh, and, you know, Dogfish would probably fit into that camp or breweries that are, are kicking ass, you know, locally, however they define locally, with a focus more on, you know, turning people onto their their beers mostly through their own tap rooms and, and you know, uh, and Kalea can talk more about, you know, the awesome stuff they have on adding to that front. You know, Dogfish, we, we were a restaurant brewery from the day we opened, and we do all these culinary and these beers. So our, our tap rooms and pubs in Delaware, all, all three of them, and the two in the D.C. market, are critical to our brand and the points of differentiation uh, that we continue to, to thrive on. But we're certainly more of the camp of national distribution. So, you know, anchor at whatever 70,000 barrels, as storied and famous and pioneering as they are, they were in kind of that awkward middle scale where it's hard to get national distributors to focus on you, and yet you're considered big in your home market, maybe to the detriment of the local young drinkers choosing you over newer entries. Right. Well, I mean, it's a shame, and, you know, uh, history in the making, you know, of a a brewery that was open for 127 years and coming to a close. But the great new beer... 
Bo de Goza. It's out now, the second version of it. Two different versions from Dogfish Head and Talea Beer. You can head over to Williamsburg or Cobblehead, uh, soon to be in the West Village, to pick up that beer. My guests have been Leanne Darling and Tara Hankinson, and, of course, the Dogfish version uh, all over the country at Dogfish Head as well, down in Delaware. Uh, Leanne Darling and Tara Hankinson from Talea Beer, Sam Calagione, head founder and brewer of Dogfish Head Beer, uh, taleabeer.com, dogfish.com. Ladies, Sam, thanks so much for joining me on the program tonight. Very much appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, guys. Take Cheers, it. guys. Cheers. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. If you were listening to this at the time the program is on on AM 970, the answer in the 11 o'clock hour, and you're trying to get some sleep, that will certainly wake you up. Halls of Valhalla from Judas Priest's Redeemer of Souls came out this week back in 2014. Judas Priest does have another album in the works coming out, and I believe they are touring next year. Hopefully they will be back in America at some point, because that would be awesome. Let us dive into Suds and Duds, um, where this is the segment where I tell you about the beers that I've had over the past week or two weeks or so, and I tell you if I like it or I don't like it, so it's either a Suds or a Duds. Now, uh, full disclosure, Scott Wells from Bolero Snort did mention to a reporter just recently that I've never really had a real dud of a beer. That's not true. I have. Most beer I will drink, but I will tell you this. If you are drinking beers and you're sampling different things and you don't want to drink the whole thing, there's no shame in pouring it out. Conversely, if the beer is not good, don't drink the whole thing just because you bought it. You can drain pour it. It's okay. And to be to be fair, and obviously I've spoken to a number of brewers over the years, They want feedback, good or bad. Now, if you're trashing the brewery because of whatever, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for feedback on the actual beer, right? So if the beer isn't good, why isn't it good? By explaining it to the brewer, they may be able to pick up on things that you and I can't pick up on because I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination. I drink beer. That's what I do. Um, But, uh, you know, I don't make it. I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist. I'm not... You know, I don't come up with these recipes and things of that nature. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, if it's not good and you're explaining it to the brewer, they may be able to pick up on stuff that you and I can't pick up on and go, oh, okay, you know what? Maybe that batch was bad. Or maybe that, you know, the canning process, whatever. It's important. Now, let's start off with a great beer from a great brewery that I must get to, even though they're so far from my house in New Jersey. I do need to make a trip one day. And maybe that's an excuse to get the wife out of the house a little bit because it's sort of country and whatever. But um, Muckraker Beer Maker makes fantastic spontaneously fermented beers. Blackberry Vanilla Amlam is no exception. Perfect flavors of blackberry and vanilla. I just love these types of beers. You pour it, you sip it slow, and you savor it. It's just a really, really good beer. Um, And I love the fact that it fits in that glass. And... um, it's just a delicious beer. You definitely want to um, 
you definitely want to drink it um, over and over again. And I, I must make it there. Uh, source, lemonade and elderflower shandy. Uh, I'm not a big shandy guy, but this was delicious. Perfect beer for a warm day. Very refreshing. Uh, enjoyed it a lot. The um, Then they they have this um, series based on the Zodiac sign. Uh, source Brewing, Route 34, Colts Neck, New Jersey. Definitely get there. Uh, this is the type of weather to get there and sort of sit out and have a couple of beers. You will not be disappointed. What's your sign? This is the cancer version. Nice flavors. Juicy, not over the top. Delicious. Um, probably should have bought another four-pack of this. Really, uh, really good. That's a delicious beer. Um, you can't start summer without drinking a summer ale from Sam Adams. Uh, it's just a rite of passage. It's definitely something that you you want to have. And come to think of it, as I'm doing this now, I think I reviewed those three beers last week. I apologize. If I did, I'm so sorry. You know, this is what happens. <laughs> Sometimes you forget. Anyway, I don't know. It seemed like it was familiar to me, but maybe not. But a Sam Adams summer ale hits the spot every single time. You know, they talk about it having grains of paradise. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a delicious, uh, delicious beer. It's definitely something that, um, you know, I used to drink a lot of in the summertime and was always sad when you didn't see it anymore, uh, you know, on the shelves because obviously seasons were changing. Uh, Wolf House by Twin Elephant. Got a chance to, um, to hang over there uh, for, a, um, for a couple of hours a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, a, a great Pilsner, perfect beer for a Sunday afternoon. Bready uh, sat l- actually reading Rob Halford's book, Biblical, that was released last year and gotten a chance to get around it, um, but was able to um, uh, to you know to bring it with me and and you know read some more of it. I'm about halfway through it. I've sort of been pacing myself reading it, um, but a, a, a great book and obviously a delicious beer. Followed it up with a Krupavi. Um, this is another, just a great Czech Pilsner, just a really delicious beer, um, that you want to go back to over and over again. I love that twin is doing these lagers, Pilsners now, uh, on a regular basis and keeping stuff on tap on a regular basis, which I think is great. Um, you know, obviously they take longer to make. So when they run out and especially when you're dealing with a a place like twin elephant that doesn't have a lot of space to make beers, they have to crank out, you know, the ones that are popular that people want to buy. And because they don't have a lot of space, it's tough to, you know, devote a tank uh, for eight weeks, ten weeks, uh, getting it, you know, done the right way. But I love the fact that they have these beers, and I love the fact that they have them on tap. They are delicious. Now, Ross Brewing finally came out with the um, Kevin Smith-themed beers based on the comic book store, based on uh, the quick stop, uh, all these things. Now, full disclosure, uh, John Cocosa from Ross had given me these beers during their opening. They had already had them ready. The, the, the plan was to release them during the opening weekend because Kevin Smith was going to be in town. Turns out plans changed. They had to uh, wait a little bit so they could because most of these beers were beers that could sit a little bit longer and not have to be released. But they finally decided, look, we got to release them. So uh, Secret Stash Lager... A really good lager, if you ask me. Would I drink 37 of them as I posted on Untapped in a row? Probably not. You get the reference if you've seen the movie Clerks. <clears throat> and I'll leave it at that. Uh, a really good beer. And I love the fact that each beer, different uh, you know, colored cans with um, different artwork uh, based on uh, the Kevin Smith movies, uh, most specifically uh, Clerks. It's uh, the good stuff. Uh, really enjoyed it um, a lot. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you, the, it, Ross has done a great job. 
Here's my problem with the brewery. And, John, if you're listening, obviously, you know, this is from the heart. You've got to get that indoor space open. You've got to figure out a way to get that indoor space open. They're reliant on the weather. It's all outdoor right now. Yes, there's some some umbrellas there. But if it rains and it's a driving rain or it's thunderstorms, nobody's going to want to sit outside. So while the outdoor space is nice, that indoor space needs to get open because you're talking about maybe three and a half, four months more of decent weather, right? End of Oct- By the end of October, unless we get an early um, winter, by the end of October, you're going to be having inclement weather on a more consistent basis. So it- it's definitely something that you want to... Um, you want to take care of now. Get that building open. Get people in there. I'm excited to get that you know that that building open. There's a lot of good things that can happen inside there, um, and and I think that's that's something that they really need to work. And I, I'm sure he is. This is just my own personal opinion because again, you want to take a ride down there. It's thunderstormy. It's hot. It's humid. Maybe you don't want to sit outside the whole day. Maybe you want to go and go somewhere where it's a little more where it's a little cooler. They don't have that yet. Now again. They're, get, they're doing great business. They're cranking out great beer. There are people going down every weekend. I see pictures from people all the time. Um, but again, getting that indoor space open would be an enormous uh, step for them. And hopefully they get it done uh, before uh, the end of the summer because, of course, that would be very important. And look, you know, summertime is a good time to be going out and enjoying these things. Um, it's, it's definitely worth sitting outside and having a beer on a hot day, you know, as long as you don't overdo it. I mean, we've got the pizza party coming up uh, with Killsboro on Staten Island. Tickets are still on sale for that, but they're getting uh, close to a sellout. Uh, a great event. If you've got nothing to do at the end of the month, you should definitely come out. It's noon to 4 um, over in Snug Harbor. 100% of the proceeds go to helping Snug Harbor, which is fantastic. Um, there's music. There's pizzerias. There's beer. Uh, it's, a, it's just a perfect day. You get to eat some pizza. You get to hang out with your friends. Um, it's an enjoyable, enjoyable event. I can't wait. And if you're there and you see me and you're a listener, come up. Come up and say hello. Happy to meet you. I met some people in Atlantic City. Met some people at some events over the last couple of weeks. It's nice to see that uh, and would love uh, to chat with you about beer. But, folks, we're out of time. My thanks to everybody involved in the show, as well as my guests, Talia co-founders Leanne Darling and Tara Hankinson, as well as Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head, and, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.